Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. Oh. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan, and I could not be more excited to be back. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from our friends at Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now via Zoom is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Well, you look rested, buddy. Oh, I am. I am rested. You know, I, I saw the Mobley injury. It happened the night before my flight. Once again, Cavs players just seem to get hurt every time I take a flight, which is why I don't travel very often. Um, and I said, three, two, one, Cancun, baby. I, I figured that that was the right way to approach the last week. But you know now, what? Now, you do. Met, you did mention you, you feel a good amount of guilt at the all-inclusive spots. I do. I do. You, you just can't ask for for free crap, and and that's a and that's a that's a through line for you. It, it really, really is. It's it's uh. Let's say it, I don't know if it's a character flaw, but it, I just feel so uncomfortable with it. Like I'm helping out with anything when I spill, as I am. Uh, I am known to do at an all inclusive. I'm the one cleaning it up and all. Not all. I I think that's that. actually should be expected. Yeah, you know I, I don't what? think I think if you are like just. Like I, no matter where I am, I'm not watching people clean up my mess unless, unless for whatever reason they are better equipped to clean it. Like if they got a mop and they got, I'm not taking the mop, <laughs> but if they're, if they're taking napkins and tossing them down, I'm right there with them. Okay. Uh, you know what? That's because you're a good dude. And I, I'm thankful that you're a good dude. I, I think with Thanksgiving now, past, we, we should give a big thanks to our audience. And uh, I, I can't say how thankful I am to, to have the support that we do uh, from the Cavs organization down to the, the fans and listeners of this podcast. Uh, it, it means a lot. It, it really, really does mean a lot to be able to do this. And uh, frankly, taking a, a week's vacation during the middle of the season felt wrong. I, I it, well, it was, it was the so right weird. time to take it, man. They lost five games and uh, <laughs> and all their and everyone got hurt. And well, and it was the first stretch of the season where they actually had a, a game a day or two off between games. Yeah. So uh, so you an missed eleven day probably, stretch with four games. Yeah. Like that, I feel like you missed the least amount of games in this in during that vacation. I, and I, I wish I could say I planned it that way, but uh, that that was booked a long time ago. Um, but you know what? It's great to be back. And I've got a take for you, Carter. I, I'm coming in hot with a take right off oh, the bat. Oh, a, a takesman. I think this is the greatest five-game losing streak in the history of this organization. <laughs> I don't agree. I mean, even, even our, our normal uh, negative Nellies, uh, the... the uh... The, uh, the 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 Tony Limas of the world are loving this <laughs> losing streak. It, it's the the, the should have taken Suggsers oh, uh, are loving this losing streak. So yeah, it's uh, it's been weirdly encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, they have battled in every game, I would say, uh, yep. despite one certain ones where they literally should have had no shot down five rotation members. Um, they and but what I've liked about it is they've played kind of their kind of ball the whole way through 
Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't just random scrappiness, you know, because random scrappiness only. Like, they're still kind of playing Cavaliers basketball for the most part. It's just, you know, with less less talent. And, like, that's something when we had Ryan Morton on earlier in the week, we talked about the fact that this team just has an identity. And it feels like that's extended, you know, 1 through 13 in the rotation. Yeah, And, and that's and you what can see, is so fun. And, and you can see J.B. Bickerstaff is trying to keep it as, like, cohesive as possible, right? Like, even though that there's injuries and even though uh, we, we had stretches where there were four starters out, trying to keep everybody in their roles, right? Like, trying to keep Ricky Rubio coming off the bench unless there's no other option. Same goes for Jetty Osman. Uh, we, we know both of those guys are basically going to play starters minutes because they're playing incredibly well and, and have been reliable assets for the Cavs. But I, I, I do kind of like that philosophy of keeping guys in place. Dean Wade really stepping up as a placeholder. Um, As you guys mentioned, I I thought you and uh, Mort did a really great job on that last podcast. I I enjoyed listening to that on my uh, flight back to Winnipeg. Um, But I I like the the fact that like Dean Wade, a guy that might not be playing if if this team's fully healthy, is ready. He's prepared. He's ready to go, uh, giving the Cavs really good minutes. I don't know if this team's ever going to be fully healthy, uh, which if that were to occur at some point, uh, I I think Dean Wade might have a little bit of trouble getting minutes. But it's nice to know that, hey, we've developed this undrafted player into someone that can reliably step in, that can reliably play good defense against players that are... uh, paid a whole lot more money than he is uh, when you look at the job he did on Kevin Durant and some of the other wings over this stretch. Um, it's it's just great to see that this team hasn't really, at, at least to this point, hasn't kind of felt the weight of the losses adding up, right? Like they, they had such a great start. Uh, you have a little bit of a setback here with this five-game losing streak, but they're still coming out uh, with the intensity that they've had all season. They haven't really had a a loss where they weren't in this in, in the game at all outside of that one game in Phoenix. It's just yeah. really, really encouraging to see just the composure that this team is showing. Yeah. It's, it's been awesome, man. I, I just, you know, you really do just see like in the games they've lost recently, they've just been getting outgunned down the stretch, you know, which yeah. happens when you play really, really, really good teams, you know, I it, mean, the it fact feels that like every single game they were missing, like just a little bit, like uh, the the second loss against Brooklyn. It's like, oh, man, if they just had Jetty Osmond, I, I think that that would have yeah. really helped it, against the Suns. Obviously, if they had Evan Mobley, that would be great. Uh, if, the, the, if they had if they had a, a referee crew that, <laughs> you that, know, that, oh, my God, uh, understood uh, what what uh, which team was playing at home. Yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> we'll get into that in a sec, but I, I was going to say, oh, like, the, the first Brooklyn game and the, the Warriors game, uh, if they weren't missing four starters playing on a back-to-back, maybe they wouldn't have been so exhausted. Um, but it, it's just nice to see that they've been in all of those games. You look at other young teams around the league, like Memphis as an example. They've had some games where they look great, and then they've had 40-point losses, right? Like, they, we're not seeing the inconsistency that you would expect from a young team. Yeah, I mean, I the, Mem- that the Memphis comp is... The Memphis Cobb is perfect. They're nine and nine. Cavs are nine and ten. Cavs point differential is minus zero point six. The Grizzlies is minus five point two. You wow. know? And that's one thing that I really like much more about this season is last season, a lot of people don't I don't think really understand this. They were actually outperforming their point differential from a yeah. win loss perspective. And now that we're kind of back to like, you know, that that's what I find encouraging about where they are right now is they're not nine and ten with eight like you know ass kickings where they've lost where they've just gotten absolutely blown off the floor they're 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 a true nine and ten you know and and like i think that is really representative of kind of the grit that this team plays with yeah no absolutely and you you look at this losing streak it's like if Bembry didn't elbow garland in the face do they win that game I'd probably say yes. He he went one for eleven after that point. If I, I like it when I like it. I like it when you Sunday. get. I like it when you get Neanderthal. You know, oh. like you were you were true Neanderthal after the Bembry hit. You were like, you, you I, I wanted into, retaliation. You turned, I, I wanted you turned I, into every drunk uncle at the arena. I I was ready to sign Kendrick Perkins to a ten day just to like take out someone <laughs> in Brooklyn. Shout out Big Perk. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I like it. I, I think it's nice. I, I think that when we acknowledge these stupid feelings we have, it, it, it makes it better. We don't we don't pretend we're better than being an idiot fan every now and again. And, and I was sitting in our discord after that game and I was just like, 
I'm I'm way too angry. I'm way too sour. I know that I shouldn't be feeling this way, but I am. Like I I can't help it. And, and I'm I'm glad that the Cavs have me feeling like that again because like the last few years, I basically took a solely macro approach to everything. It's like, okay, you know, this is a, a good trend for Garland or Okoro's having a, a nice few nah, moments. Give me the dubs now. Come on. Yeah, exactly. We 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 have some more expectations, and it's great to have those expectations again. Uh, it's just frustrating when you put together a really good team effort and it gets ripped out of your hands the way that it was ripped out of their hands against the Phoenix Suns. Like the, those phantom calls against Garland in the second ended up really mattering a lot. Phoenix getting that 2020-2021 season whistle with their grifting and the stuff that was supposed to get out of the game. Meanwhile, Ricky Rubio's getting kneed in the chest by JaVale McGee, that awful take foul. Uh, the the and one uh, Garland three that turned into just a, a on the ground foul. Um, it, it was infuriating. I've never. Um, I'll say this. I've never seen refs do this more often <laughs> in, in a game where after made shots by my favorite team. Man, it, it was just so frustrating. And like I, I try to put it into perspective, right? Like if you would have told me looking at the schedule that the Cavs would start nine and ten. I would be thrilled like that. That is a great position to be in, not even factoring in the fact that they have lost so many games uh, from key players. Uh, Colin Sexton being out for the year, which is just devastating to me. Uh, Evan Mobley has been out, although we've got some potential good news there with uh, reporting suggesting he could return as soon as Saturday. Uh, at the very least, I think it's logical to conclude if there's a possibility that he's going to return soon, it's probably closer to the two-week timeline versus the four-week, which is a massive, massive boost. I don't know if the Cavs necessarily need Mobley to beat the the Magic on Saturday, uh, but it'd be nice to have him back uh, on Monday against Dallas for sure. Yeah, I, either way, it sure seems like the Cavalry is coming. The team is going to be fully healthy in a in a pretty major way. You know, I, I we talked about this a little bit with Mort. While Mobley is not an offensive dynamo yet, Mm-hmm. his connective playmaking is something that I think the team has sorely missed. And that's why I was actually a little surprised Kevin Love didn't get as much burn as he uh, as I thought he would against Phoenix after a really strong first half. Mm-hmm. Because while they do attack him on the other end, like he is one of the, the few real connectors on the team. Because I don't know about you, but during this losing streak, I've just seen a lot of like like Darius just kind of wearing down a little bit, like yeah. not, not like in a terrible way, but like in a man, am I really the only one that can attack these switches? Like I mentioned it on the pod with more, but like every, every time a team just gets really squishy with the Cavs right now, it's just hard for them to do much because Darius can't, Darius is really the only player on the team that's really, really adept at attacking switches right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he can't do it 40 straight plays in the regular season. So you go to this having someone like Mobley back who if they if they try to switch he can slip it catch it on the short roll and make a play like they haven't had that and especially without Sexton to kind of be your you know your your bailout kind of player uh you really feel the absence so I think his impact is going to be really really important on the offensive end for this team I think it's going to be super important. And to your point about Garland wearing down, I thought it was really, really obvious in those games against Boston, Brooklyn, and Golden State, where they were missing, basically. I I think it was four starters for all of those games. Um, Because you would see, like, uh, Boston would put Marcus Smart or Jason Tatum on him because they're like, you don't have a screen setter out here. It's Taco Fall and Ed Davis. Um, there, there's no one to really get us off of you. So we're just going to put length out there and you have to go out there and try to attack every single time to create the advantage for yourself. And and that's a big ask, right? And, and it really kind of made a, a thought pop in my head, whereas in the past, like uh, under the way that defenses were allowed to play the last few years, you saw more and more teams go away from pick and roll. Like you would see James Harden isolation at the top of the three point line because they're like, why bring an extra defender in when the defense can't really be physical with Harden? Let's just space it out. Uh, That's where you saw no bigs on the floor for a lot of these teams. And we're just going to play iso ball because we trust Harden with the way that the rules are set up to get by his defender and draw an extra defender for an easy kick or he scores himself, right? But now that defenses are allowed to be more physical, a good screen setter like Jared Allen, someone that can really free things up, 
becomes really, really important again. And, and Kevin Love brings that to the table, obviously, as well, uh, with his e- either um, pick and roll or pick and pop situations. Like having those screen setters, I, I think, really, really is important in today's game now, if this well, is the, the way thing, that the defense is going to go. And the thing with Mobley uh, coming back is it's not even that he's a good screen setter, but he no, is. He's a, he's he's, a terrible one. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible, but he is really good at operating off of slips, which is really the best way to beat switches. Yeah. Um. You know, I I think for you know, the the best example of this is when teams tried to switch on the twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen Warriors, where they just be like, okay, Javale, you're gonna set a screen and just dive with a wide open dunk. Like that's why Javale was so good on those Warriors teams offensively. Mm-hmm. Like so that's what Mobley can kind of unlock for you, and just he destabilizes the defense. Yeah. By, well, by they, doing they those the, slips. They used the double drag very often with Mobley and Allen out there uh, when Garland's handling the ball. And to get that back, to have Mobley uh, creating the short roll and whatnot, like that's really, really going to make a big difference. But I, I do think that there's so many encouraging things from this recent stretch. Like even though Garland's three-point shot isn't necessarily going down, in the eight games that Sexton's been out, he's taking 9.3 threes a game. Like that, that is a major Yeah, they're not going problem. in. <laughs> what's that they're not going in no he's no. taking them but that's what we wanted right like yeah, we, we can't sit here on the wanted. podcast and and say for the last few years we're like you know what just get those threes up like we don't even care about the percentages just jack them up he's getting those threes up now and, and i think that there's a learning curve right like when you start taking on this kind of a usage yeah you wear down you, you have to learn how to adjust to that higher usage and i, I think that that's really productive uh we we saw that that was something that sexton went through too right like where he would have these stretches of okay i'm taking on more responsibility but my shot's not necessarily falling but i'm just going to keep at it because th- this is the right process and uh it, it's nice to be due for some positive regression again when it when it comes to garland shooting and i i think I think the last couple games, uh, it's looked a whole lot better. Um, and I, I think as this team continues to get more healthy, I, I feel relatively confident that they're going to be able to generate enough offense. Because you, you look, offense was not the issue against Brooklyn and Phoenix these last two games. Uh, I kind of disagree. I think that they, they've hit extended stretches where it's like, it's just a lot of work for them to get a bucket. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it requires them kind of getting themselves out of position. I, I'm thinking about a few plays where Darius has to go hero mode and makes a crazy, even on plays where he scores, makes a layup, falls down, yeah. and the other team gets back on a five on four. Like, and, and, Darius, and there's no one 94 feet away from the basket for Darius to, to bear hug and stop their momentum. Um, God, I hated so, that game. Yeah, horrible. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know. I, I, I have felt the lack of shot creation and, mm-hmm. and creative juice like there's a there's more ricky rubio putting up shots than i want yeah um, a little bit of hero ball ricky rubio that, well that's and there's stretching. some and yeah. there's some grump from cat from Cavs twitter and even in this youtube chat right now and like i get it but i'm like i just don't know where else the shots are supposed to be coming from you know like teams are especially with the personnel that's on the floor right now teams are playing the role on on jarrett so he's not just going to get to put up 20 like Jared's never going to be like a 20 shot attempt kind of guy like he's going to be an 11 of 13 kind of guy Laurie is working his way into shape Kevin I thought as in his in his time on the court is 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 firing plenty Mm -hmm. Darius is shooting plenty Jetty is shooting plenty so it's like I'm not like oh Ricky is taking a shots away from all these other guys a lot of times it's like well I guess he might as well because there's just not a ton of juice on the floor right now. So that's why I'm so excited to get Mobley back. Because, like, you know, Mobley, believe it or not, going to shoot a little bit more than Dean Wade. And, <laughs> and some of those and some of those possessions, I think, start kind of warping back. Like, the, the shot distribution goes from Ricky taking 20 to 23 a- attempts in a game to, like, 12 to 13, which I'm okay with. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And, yeah, the two-point percentage has certainly uh, kind of uh, fallen back. Uh, mm-hmm. for him and is is not good but i don't know i think it's more a buy that's why i think the offense is a bit of a, is is what's hurting a little bit because i'm seeing a guy like ricky having not a ton of recourse to do anything else you know i, I i'm not if i was saying ricky that those are terrible possessions that should have gone to x i would feel better about criticizing him but that's just not how i feel right now 
I think that's the right way to put it, that as this team gets healthier and healthier and once Mobley does come back, it's just going to redistribute everything. Like the the, the usage is going to be a little more where it should be for all of these guys. And I, I think we've seen some of that with Okoro as well. Like I, I feel like since Laurie Love uh, and Jetty are back, like you don't notice Okoro struggling offensively as much. And in fact, he plays a little better when he can play within himself. So getting Ricky Rubio to play a little more within himself where he isn't asked to be doing as much because there's other options available. I, I think that that's going to help things out a ton. Um, where are you at with Okoro? Cause I, when I've watched him over this stretch, the return was not great. Like I, I thought he didn't even look right physically. Um, and the last couple games, I, I feel like he's looking he was limping a little bit after better. That, he was limping after that uh, that and one against Phoenix. Yeah, that that concerned me as well. I was like, oh man, like I, I don't know if he re-aggravated something or or if there's something that he's been battling through, but he just doesn't look all the way right physically. Um, but it, it's nice to see him hit a couple more threes. And I, obviously, the the interesting point and the the part of why I bring this up is JB Bickerstaff mentioned that. As long as Okoro's healthy, he's kind of locked up that starting two guard spot uh, because he's done what they've asked of him, which I I have to assume means defending uh, the the best perimeter player on on a nightly basis and kind of just process over results where, yeah, he's at least taking the right shots. He's got a willingness to shoot threes. Uh, Some of them have started to go down these last two games. But uh, how how do you feel about Okoro getting that nod uh, from J.B. Bickerstaff? Um. I'm a little conflicted. I don't dislike it, but I do think it's a it there's a bit of best man gets the minutes gripe that kind of comes in there cuz mm-hmm. like Jetty has been better than Okoro this season. Uh yeah. and like part of me sit like wants the meritocracy just to win and just say Jetty, you you've earned it. You get to play with the starters now because the reality is it's not the same uh paradigm as last season where it's like, okay, you're starting sex land. So you need Okoro out there to play defense. Like you have a lot more defensive kind of mojo in that starting lineup now where yeah. it's like, Okoro doesn't have to start. In fact, he did not start the season starting. And, you know, in, if you were looking to kind of replicate what that starting lineup was doing, uh, or, you know, come as close as you can, uh, you know, with, without Sexton, Jetty actually stylistically makes more sense. He's better in transition, um, a better shooter, mm-hmm. you know, can 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 kind of give you that kind of juice. With that said, I actually think keeping Jetty in the second unit has much more to do with Jetty than it does to do with Okoro. Like, I think the fact that Jetty has kind of found such a synergy playing with Ricky. Yeah. Um, I just kind of want to marry their minutes as as much as possible. Um, and. To that extent, like I just think I'm fine with keeping him off the bench. So, like, while I don't necessarily agree with JB's line of thinking, though, I mean, earned it means a lot of different things. So we shouldn't just say earned it means played well. Yeah. Like earned it can mean is kicking ass in practice. Can it can mean a lot of things. Um, but you know, I, I don't. I think Jetty has has earned the opportunity to start. But I also understand the the logic in keeping him with Ricky and kind of like. There's a little bit of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like we actually have seen Jetty do great in a in a more confined role. So like to re-expand it right as he's like catching his stride, like makes me a little antsy. So mm-hmm. I, I guess long way of saying it's fine. <laughs> you just love to hear yourself talk. Well, AJ. we can't do a podcast with it's fine. Yeah, that, that's fair. And, and to to your point, like he's already kind of got an expanded role. Like you look at the last few games, like 29 minutes against Phoenix, 31 against Boston, uh, 29 against Brooklyn. Like he, he's playing 30 minutes a night. And, and I, I think everyone, like you focus on optimizing the starting lineup, but their goal is to have good, consistent basketball over 48 minutes. And, and I think it's really nice to have kind of that steadying presence coming off the bench when you look at what Ricky Rubio, Jetty Osman, and Kevin Love bring when when they come in uh, and, and kind of contribute to that second unit. So I, I'm with you there. I, I really do think that 
I want to see an extended run where Okoro can kind of work through this rough patch uh, with the rest of the starting lineup. Like, I I think Garland, Okoro, Markkanen, Mobley, and Allen, I I think there's enough kind of supplemental playmaking there, uh, the the spacing that that Laurie Markkanen provides. Like, I, I think that that's something that could really work, and I'd like to see him get an extended opportunity. If the lineup data after they've played like a month or two together uh, is just terrible, where it's very clear, hey, it's not working out. Okoro's kind of tanking the 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 offense in this lineup. Yeah, m- maybe you can reevaluate things and and figure out a, a better solution. But for me, like this season is still about development, right? Like as much as we want to make the plan, we want to do that as a result of the young guys playing well. And right now, it looks like the Cavs have maybe three blue chip guys, as you mentioned on the podcast with Mort, um, that are really propelling the success of the season. So for me, I'd like to see Okoro continue to get opportunities there because when Colin Sexton comes back next year, it'd be really nice if we can count on both Colin and Okoro to give the Cavs really, really good minutes at the guard position. Yeah, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And like the reality is, I I have said this a few times. There's some security in knowing Colin's not coming back. So Isaac, you got all year to yeah. play through this. Yeah. Like, because the reality is, even if he got bumped from the starting lineup, barring a a, a transaction of uh, of some sort, the Cavs are going to need this guy to give them 15 to 20 minutes a game at minimum. Yep. So, like, to, to that end, like, you know, I, I think it is kind of just sink or swim with, with Isaac. And, you know, you hope he gets healthy. You hope that the jumper starts coming back. I mean, hitting three of seven against Brooklyn had to feel good and hitting all four of his free throws uh, yeah. to, to give him kind of his first real efficient night of the season. Um, it was it was nice to see because obviously he's been in a terrible shooting slump. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't look good, but I do like that the volume's been a little little up. He's taken four at least four threes. Uh, in four of the last five games, um, and it it doesn't look like he's shrinking away, even though it is a little ugly right now. Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily task him with a whole lot more offensively. Like I, no. I think I'd want to see him have kind of his, his normal usage, just with more minutes. Because when you look at like kind of shouldering the offensive load and trying to replicate Sexton by committee, it's going to need to be Garland taking more shots. It's going to need to be Laurie Markinen playing a prominent role in the offense. Uh, Evan Mobley, I mean, he was averaging almost 20 points per game uh, but before he got hurt Crazy. by uh, Enos Kanter. Um, and, and I don't necessarily expect that. But I, I think with all of those guys kind of collectively stepping up and, and contributing more and more, and, and Kevin Love off the bench and Jetty Osman, like, I, I think you can replicate enough of what Sexton brings by committee. Although I, I got to say, like, if the Cavs can find success this season and, and find a rhythm, it's really nice to know that in all likelihood, you're going to be getting a really big addition in the offseason in Colin Sexton. Like, we know that uh, in all likelihood, Sexton's going to be back next year and, and he's going to be contributing in, in a major way. So that's that's kind of fun to know that you're going to have a big acquisition in the offseason. Yeah, and like a lot of what this season plays out as will kind of define what his the way he'll fit into it, you know, yeah. if they crater out a little bit, then okay. Like, Hey, they needed to call on a little more than some people thought. If they, mm-hmm. if they, if they kick ass and find their way to a six or seven seed, then Colin's going to have to work his way in a little more uh, gently. And that, yeah. that's kind of the, the, the fun of it. You know, it's a good problem to have if the team does great and then adds Colin, it's like, Ooh, what are, what are we going to do with how are we going to, how are we going to implement this, this kind of scoring dynamo guard yeah. uh, to, to this winning rotation. So, it's kind of found money either way if but like obviously i i certainly have felt his absence as of late like i i have missed seeing him out there uh a, a little more than i thought i would to be mm-hmm. honest yeah and, and maybe some of that is magnified just by how many other guys happen to be out of the stretch but yeah you, you are absolutely missing colin sexton because uh e- even though the, the on off numbers weren't great for his offense and the the way that he helped the team this season He's that guy that can go create a shot and, and can get a good look against a set defense, and, and they just don't have anyone that can really do that right now. Uh, Garland and, will... and and the thing that was nice about this season is on the nights he didn't have it, they had other options. Right on the nights he did, they they were able to ride him, and like that's the thing that people uh, you always talk about is just because you don't like the twenty seven minutes someone plays doesn't mean you'll like the whole forty eight without them. Yep, 
Yep. No, exactly. And uh, you stole a point I was planning on making, but I, I really hate it from a proof of concept standpoint where we just didn't get to see the the, the small backcourt, the, the sex land backcourt with Mobley and Allen because I, I really I, thought I, that, that I think I'm kind of sold. I think it works. I think I, you can do it. I think it works too. Like especially if you go out there and, and maybe trade some future assets to to address the the small forward position. Like, yeah. man, I I really it's, do think that they, that as long a as they have a path op- to making yeah. that work. What they need is more and more optionality. Right now, they're too married to the small backcourt with that with the those two and and Rubio. Mm-hmm. You know, you want a couple more wings you can count on, whether it's Okoro's development or Jetty's development. But like, you know, like, can, will it tank them, which has kind of been the, the conversation from from Jump Street? Yeah. I don't think it will tank them if they are able to backstop them with with Mobley and Allen. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, if you were to design a uh, pairing of bakes that works really well when you are starting two guards that are 6'1", 6'2", like Mobley and Allen that can switch on to almost any single position uh, that, that are just crazy, crazy versatile on the defensive end and also possess, like, good passing. Like, I love the fact that Sexton played so well off ball. Like, I, I really liked his usage and I, I thought that um, better times were ahead from him because his, his three-point shot hadn't been falling yet, but uh, I, I really kind of like those minutes out there. So it's disappointing. Um, I'm I'm not too worried long term because when when you look at it, um, the the path that he went to to get the the meniscus repair, uh, from what I understand and my reading of Twitter doctors, that seems to be the path that has the fewest long term concerns. Uh, it's not like having the entire thing removed where you basically have no shock absorber in your knee. Um, so I, I would expect like. Based on the reporting that was out there this past offseason, it didn't seem like there were teams jumping to give him a ridiculous offer. I I can't see any team coming in uh, with with an offer that would make the Cavs like hesitant to match. Like I I just don't think that there there's enough money out there. And you, like you look at the Jared Allen situation, like the the Cavs value who they have, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that offer at the opening of free agency. Like just hey even if it's a, a shorter bridge type extension, like finding a way to, to make this work because at the end of the day, like Sexton's a valuable part. Like we, we probably at this point kind of consider Garland, uh, Mobley and Allen to be those foundational pieces, but he's a really, really important part that, that was playing at a near all-star level last season. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm excited to see him. And I, and I do think there's a real chance this, a lot of people think that just because they didn't come to a deal, that this is gonna go to like the end of restricted free agency. They're yeah. gonna, it's gonna. I think there's a real chance the team just goes out and and just gets him, yeah, you yeah. know, and lo- and locks it up. And that you know we cannot rule that out. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I totally agree. I mean, I I do want to touch on one question that uh, you had raised on, on the podcast with Mort, where you were kind of wondering, is Jared Allen a, a blue chip guy? And, and I want to explore that because I I really do feel. And, and people are, are going to jump down my throat for this because, like, when, when I've compared the Cavs to, like, the Jazz in the past, people are like, well, you don't have a point guard from Ohio State that's this age uh, that plays the game this exact same way. But in a lot of ways, like, I, I feel Jared Allen can almost be, like, a Draymond Green-like impact guy where, yeah, he's not necessarily doing the, with the playmaking, but what he adds to the mix uh, it accentuates what everybody else does. Like Garland is a way more dynamic player with Jared Allen on the floor. The defense is so good when Mobley and Allen are out there together and, and Allen kind of hides some of the, the weak points of Mobley's developing defense. Like he can take those more physical matchups. I, I just think Jared Allen, like I, he's 23 years old. He's probably a top 10 player at his position and he makes everyone else better out there. And I'm really sold on him kind of being a, a, a cornerstone piece of the Cavs moving forward. Like, I just think I cornerstone really want to make is different. This work. I think cornerstone is different from blue chip. Um, okay. You know, I just, I, you know, I think I only take issues with blue chip from the perspective of blue chip to me tells me, says he's in the Embiid Jokic, um, you know, kind of class. I just don't think he is. Mm-hmm. But cornerstone, yeah, I think he's a foundational piece. I think we've seen it work. We've seen the building blocks of the Mobley Allen pairing work well enough that we're, I'm like, well, these guys are going to keep getting better. So it's like, if this is the the baseline, then okay, cool, I'm good to roll with this. 
Yeah. Um, and like, like so there's going to be more physical yeah. maturity here. Like the, the fact that that yeah. pairing works mental so maturity well this early on. Yeah. Men, mental as well. Like that's a, a big thing with Jared Allen where you see like his passing this season way better. And, and that was something that he, he said, even uh, when we spoke to him on media day. Yeah. I, I worked on my passing. Like I, I want to identify these little gaps in my game. And um, like he is a, a much, much better player this year than he was last season. And I think he's going to, if the Cavs can stay in that playoff mix, I think he's going to have a really good shot in an all-star appearance this year, which is exciting. Like, Is he one, the best candidate from the team right now? Probably. I, I think it, it would be between him and Garland, uh, depending on how Garland continues to play over the next month or two. Um, it, it's actually interesting because I, I, I really feel like you can have a lot of good candidates for who the most valuable player is for this team. Um, like I, I think Garland's probably the most important for the offense. Moley's the most important for the defense. And Allen is just kind of that consistent guy that, that just always elevates the level of the team. And uh, I, I don't know if at the end of the year, I think I would prefer to have it where it's still in that space where everybody improved throughout the season, but you, there's room for debate on who the best player is. Like as much as it would be fun to to have one guy kind of step forward and be that clear guy, I kind of like it being in this space where you, well, you have three guys really competing for who has the most impact on this team. Well, the reality is even as Mobley grows, um, and this is what's so fun about him, you know, if he really is slim Duncan, as, as we have, I like to call him. Yeah. Like the, the nice thing about a player like Tim Duncan always was, was there was so much room for everyone else to shine because yeah. of his inherent play style. And I think that's very much still the case here with Mobley where he's just never going to be a 25, 30 attempt player. Yeah. He, he is like offensively, he is a, an Uber elite glue guy, you yeah. know? And, and like, as he gets better, he'll, and develops he'll become more of that primary guy but like i don't think that'll ever be all he is like i don't really mm -hmm. even think like you know i don't think he ever has an offensive future like early kevin garnett where he's like the hub the primary hub because or, of the or talent even like they, a Jokic, right yeah because they have the because of the talent around him and his his overall demeanor like i think that will never he will never be like that you know, like they'll never build a heliocentric offense around a guy like Evan Mobley. I just don't think that makes sense because mm -hmm. uh, his style is inherently uh, inherently elevates everyone else and not in the same way that LeBron style elevates a lot of people, which is, hey, if you're a good a good role player with me, you'll be a great role player. That's the way LeBron elevates people. Unless you're boss uh, man 99. Unless you're boss man 99. Ugh. The <laughs> clutching at his face when no one hit him. Ugh. Anyway, um, you know that, but like I think Mobley will elevate everyone by allowing some of these high volume guys to do well. Like, yeah. like he he will enable you to play. You know, a guy like Tony Parker, for example. Like, I think in a lot of different locations, he doesn't have the career he has, but he was able to kind of be that that overdrip, that hyperactive uh, slasher to the lane because of Tim Duncan's play style. Yeah, and like. So I think I think that one of the coolest things about Mobley is that he allows high usage players to thrive around him. So I don't think we'll ever have that like, oh well, you know, it's it's Mobley and the Mobleyettes, you know. Like I just don't <laughs> think that's that that I don't think his play style lends to that. Yeah, but I, I do think long term it's going to probably be he will clear. clearly be the best player. He on the will team, clearly be the the best it, player but, on the but, team, but, but visually, it's in a different way, right? Yeah, but visually, it's not going to feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think Garland is showing more and more that he can be that engine, right? Like, uh, so so many of the questions that existed for Garland were, were about his demeanor, right? Like, can he be that guy that's going out there and taking all these shots? And I, I think that there's a real opportunity for growth for him this season to, to learn how to be that guy. And I, I like that we're seeing more assertiveness. Um, but I, I totally agree. Like, I, I think the, the best version of Mobley is so exciting because there aren't any real conflicts with this roster, right? Like, even when there was Sexton out there, like, it made sense. Sexton was still able to have basically the same usage he had had for his entire career. The minutes were a little low because he had nights where he wasn't hitting his shots. But on nights where he was hitting his shots, he was out there playing big minutes, right? Like, there, there weren't really the, the conflicts between these core pieces, which is why 
it's so exciting to look at them together. And uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, like that's one of the things I'm really thankful for is the Cavs seem to be building something that's sustainable, that you can see the clear avenues for growth that will help both the the players individually and collectively when, when they're playing off of one another. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It's a it's a fun spot to be, which is, you know, I think this is certainly the most chipper we've ever been after a five game losing streak. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely a lot of fun to see this team kind of put these pieces together and start figuring things out. I do want to ask this though, Justin. This one's been rattling around the old brain. Oh boy, does this team should this team go try to add add talent via trade right now? So that that's a great question because I've seen names like Buddy Heald get thrown out there. And I got to be honest, like uh, as much as that's a great fit, I don't have a lot of interest adding someone that would cost a lot, like in, in terms of assets when the guy's turning 30 years old this year. Because like even when you look at OKC where they drafted three Hall of Famers, it still took some time for those guys to put it together. Like let, let's call that timeline three years uh, to the point where it's okay. We have a I'm going to ding you. I'm going to start a Justin compares the Cavs to OKC counter. Yeah. Just put it in the upper left of the street. <laughs> Perfect. I, I love that. Uh, get, get on those graphics right away, Carter. But like even there, it took three years before it's like, okay, now we got to add the supplemental talent to go out there and actually contend. With, with the Cavs, like, yeah, it's going to take a few years of Mobley, Allen, Garland, Sexton, all, all Coro, um, developing individually and getting to that level of consistency where you're like, okay, we're, let's go out and, and really make a push. Like, like, let's test the limits of what the ceiling of this team can be. So someone like Buddy Heald, who, who's turning this 30 this season, in three years, when he's 33 years old and his current contract is up, are you going to regret giving up first there? Like, to, yeah. to me, that's a, a... Yeah, you will. I, yeah, no. that's that's a different question than okay, maybe someone like a Terrence Ross becomes available for a couple seconds or or something along those lines where it's all right, this is a fill-in guy that's going to help address a need this season, but also when Sexton comes back, like if you're going to give up assets for someone, it needs to be uh, like in my opinion, a wing because that's something that fills a need when you have your full cast of characters back and like even with buddy Heald, do you feel confident that in the next three years, he's going to be a better option than Sexton? I don't uh, like, no, I, I don't know. How I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly like, not I, sure I know he that. can shoot and I, I know that it like fits in theory, but that's not how I feel. So I, I'm not giving up multiple uh, picks or, or whatnot uh, to, to bring in someone like that, but at a rental or, or someone that can kind of help both this year and moving forward. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So I think the way it, my kind of barometer is, I don't want to give up anything meaningful for anyone worse than a B or a B plus level player. Mm-hmm. That is that is like not you know tw- twenty seven or younger. Yeah, you know like because like Buddy Hield might be a B B plus, but like he's he's getting older, so it's yeah. like he's not on the timeline. So like by the time everyone's kind of hitting their strides, I just don't see the point so it's like i'd almost rather i did so i'm almost at this point where i'm like i'd rather keep my big asset powder dry like yeah. if you have a chance to go swing for some for for a legitimate name you know we've been making brandon ingram jokes that aren't jokes yeah. uh for uh you know which, which I, I year can't now. see in, i can't see but it's anymore, not gonna but... happen anymore but uh you get what i'm saying like 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 sure you can go swing for one of those huge names or you can take a, you know your your San Antonio second, your Houston second, and go try to get a Terrence Ross. Anything in between, I just don't have a lot of appetite for. Yeah, yeah. If you're trading first round picks, I think it's got to be or, someone or that's young like, rotational pieces. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, in my opinion, it's got to be a forward. You, you got to be bringing in a three, and I think twenty seven, like or even, a two like, with legitimate size, like Jeremy Lamb is a two with legitimate size. Terrence yeah, Ross that, can, play. That can it, flex yeah. over to the three relatively yeah. easy. Like I think that's like if you're giving up legitimate assets, like I, I want it to be someone that can play the three long term. Um, that that's younger, uh, that that fits the timeline of this team because yeah, and like, that it, deal might not be available. So. If it's not, I, I'm okay just not making a deal. And I know Kobe's been a, a, a real trader mm-hmm. uh, kind of guy, but I just I don't I'm not in a rush to make transactions for this team right now because I do like what they're doing. So like any move has to be made with a is this going to work two years from now? Because like I just don't think they need to fall in love with chasing a winner or two extra 
this season. Right, right. Like, because I, I, I don't think there's pressure on this team in that way. Like, we've already answered a lot of questions about kind of what the long term of this team is because, like, it's very clear that this core has a pretty high ceiling together. Like, the fact that they are competitive against some of the best teams in the league, like, uh, even down some of them, like, that, that's a really, really good, encouraging sign. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those situations where it's like, you know what, like, let's just kind of focus on the development. Let's keep getting those guys out there. Let's keep getting Okoro those reps. Like, I, I'd rather struggle a little bit with Garland and Okoro, like trying to, to find their footing offensively and to test the limits of what they can do versus a short-term solution just to win games this year. Because Can I, mean, can I theorycraft something with you, though, that I've been wondering? Go for it. If they trade for, let's say they they use some draft capital and pick up a guy like Terrence Ross, what do you do with your rotation there? Is, is it like who who gets bumped out? Do you just play more people? Like what does that look like to you? Because right now, short of sorry Isaac, who is not playing well, everyone else is doing pretty good. So it's like yeah. who are you bumping? Uh, probably Dean Wade. Like yeah yeah Dean Dean probably gets bumped. Does Dean get bumped once Mobley's back to you, or do you find a way to just play him more at the three? I, I think he probably continues playing. Like, I, I think it's going to be one of those situations where it might depend on the matchup uh, on wh- whether or not you, you can play him. Um, I, I think also depending on our guys playing well, like Jenny might have an off night and, and you want to get another look out there and you want to kind of breathe some life into the team. Uh, or you can just use a, a low usage guy that does all the right things in Dean Wade. Like, I, I think that there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him. Um, it's just one of those questions of are we going eight man rotation or are we going nine? Like, because I, I think even with Sexton now, we have a pretty solid eight. Like, Jetty has earned his spot in, in that Has eight. to be nine. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's going to nine, yeah, I, I can see Dean Wade getting more yeah, minutes. We but. wanted it to be Dylan, but he just hasn't shown it. And, and, and Dean has, and Dean has shown enough off the dribble juice, uh, to, to kind of warrant some spot minutes at the three. There's times where he is a little overextended offensively. Yeah. uh, And you can feel that where he's either invisible a little bit or like just not. Or, or doing too much, you know, he's struggled and, to find that And you feel it when Laurie Markman's back, right? Like, you, yep. you feel it with Laurie out there because like, he oh, does bring Laurie, so much Laurie's more. better on offense. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I know well, that should be obvious, but it, <laughs> it is it is extra obvious now that he's back. Yeah, it's the uh, the old uh, 80 to 100% thing, right? Like, you get, like, 80% of Laurie Markman with Dean Wade. Well, that 20% uh, matters yeah, a lot. And it matters. Let's, let's be honest. It's closer to, to 40% <laughs> when yeah. it comes to the offensive difference between those two. And uh, it is nice to see that Laurie's moving around so well offensively like I, I kind of like what he's doing out there I, I think the, I think Laurie's show- last two games have been his some of his best for the Cavs yeah the jump yeah. the three man please my just get me to 40 percent or 37 percent he's so the looks are so good yeah the the last game he played he shot uh, better he last season on worse great. looks <laughs> Come on! Man, when he's Euro stepping around, guys, like it, it's so much fun. Like it, you, you were totally on the money on the last podcast where you said, "Yeah, he doesn't move the best laterally, but he's a he's a pretty good a- athlete." I mean, that dunk he had uh, against Phoenix was was a lot of fun too. Um, yeah, but uh, unfortunately, again, that was all wiped out by some poor officiating. Man, it, it hurt. It hurt that that take foul occurred with Javale McGee because the entire game, like. I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? Like, I have such fond memories of the McGee era. Like, he was, he was such a good Cavalier for such a little stretch. And then he took that take foul and was nodding his head on the bench. And all of a sudden, like, that that animal came out of me where I, I was just so angry. Uh, <laughs> you wanted the basket. You wanted the basketball gods to punish them for that play, and instead, they the basketball gods gave them like nine more favors. Well, yeah. I mean, the basketball gods didn't give them favors. The, the Cavs hit. The and won three. The refs waved it off. The Jetty hit that three, took it off. Uh, Jay Crowder doesn't get hit in the face, but acts like he gets hit in the face, so a jump ball turns into free throws. That was not the basketball gods. That that was definitely some uh, man-made intervention there, which just drove me absolutely nuts because I, I thought the Cavs hit the shots that they needed to hit down the stretch. They just 
you know, they all got taken away, uh, which is really frustrating. And a franchise that I've always liked. I mean, uh, the Steve Nash era had me feeling really good about the Suns. But now I'm sitting here and I'm like, thank goodness uh, Mari Stoudemire got suspended. He deserved that. I'm glad Tim Duncan hit that three to put that playoff game in overtime. I, I'm glad that the Suns have had so much misery because you know what? They deserved it. They <laughs> Retroactively, they deserve it for everything that happened in the last game. Pain. Pain, baby. Uh. Do, do you know it. what uh, do you know what Saturday's game against Orlando is, Carter? What is it? It is the second time this season that the Cavs have gone into a game against a team with a below five hundred record. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like at the time of the of the game, or like as at, it, as at of the time now? of the game. So I, I'm saying that because Toronto is currently below five hundred. They have an opportunity to go back okay. to five hundred. Yeah, that that's even worse though. That means they're playing them all while they're playing well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they they happen to have play you tweeted the... that yet? That's gonna get that's gonna get you some RTs and some likes, my friend. Uh, yeah, you know, but some sometimes I'll I'll save them for the podcast. But it's that's it's... nice. I respect you. I never do that. You say you are so much more selfless than I am. <laughs> if I have a good tweet, it's going on my account, baby. Oh no. You'll, you'll you'll save stuff for the pod account. You'll save content for the pod. I'm like, give me the ser- give me the dopamine hits, man. <laughs> well, what happened is I, I realized that Twitter isn't really a real place, and uh, you know what? I, I'm I'm feeling better as a result of that. <laughs> Look at you, Captain Enlightened. You're not better than me. You know what? No, but I'm I'm trying to be. I'm I'm working my way towards it, and that's towards the real being point better thing. than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? Realistic goals. I, I I mean, even with the Cavs, like I, I've always kept it in, in a very realistic space. But I, I'm excited though because he, he, assuming Mobley is coming back he, at some point in these next couple games, like I'd love to have him back for Dallas. I think Orlando and Dallas are very winnable games. Uh, Dallas, I know they have a better record, but they have a worse point differential, and Luca is still carrying his offseason weight. Uh, but after that, like. We have a stretch here where it's Miami, Washington, Utah, Milwaukee, Chicago, and that sucks. All of those teams are top 10 teams this season overall, uh, the lowest of which is Milwaukee. They're 10th, but they are now healthy. They're actually getting everyone back. So I think that's actually the scariest of these games. Um, But I look at that stretch and I'm like, that sucks. All these teams are really good. But then I look at the past four games where they were playing top three teams and they were in every single one of those games. And I I feel optimistic. Like, I I feel like there's a good chance for the Cavs to maybe steal a couple of these games. And after that December 8th game against Chicago, the schedule is normal. We have easy games. We have hard games. We have games that that are a bit of a toss up. It's just a healthy mix for the rest of the year before it gets really easy in February. Uh, But I'm very excited to to go through this stretch because I, I think there's an opportunity to steal some of these games here. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It is going to be so nice seeing games that are maybe even should wins. They've Ooh. had so few. Ooh. Well, the if, should wins are scary because if they lose those, then I really am in my feelings. I, I mean, that that's that's the other side of the coin, right? When this is the, the second time you played a below 500 team, they haven't really had an opportunity to play down a level of the competition, right? Like that that's that's one of those things that you learn as you're trying to grow. I mean, Chicago lost to Houston. These weird losses happen all the time, right? Like, yeah. so there and are we're one... some of those weird losses for other teams. Yeah, we we are. <laughs> yeah, we are the weird loss for some teams. So uh, that, that's something to keep in mind. And I'm sure there's going to be setbacks. I'm sure they're going to have uh, games like Memphis has had where they, they lose by 42, a team that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, that's just one of those things that happens in an NBA season, but those are all opportunities of growth. So it's really exciting. And I'm, I'm excited to be podcasting with you again, man. Like we, we've got quite a few coming up here. I think we're going, uh, we're going Sunday, Tuesday, right? Uh, yeah. And then I'm on a trip again. So you got the, the next Sunday, uh, by your lonesome. Perfect. You love to see it. Well, I'm happy to be back. I'm thankful for all our listeners. Uh, If you are watching live on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. It's the best way to help us show up in those feeds. Also, click the little bell, the little notification bell, so you know when we're going live. If you want to support the podcast the traditional way, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Town's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there, and until next time, go Cavs.